Good morning. My name is James, Jim, or Santiago, depending on lo que habla. It depends on what you speak. It's a privilege to be here. What a great crowd. Thank you, Pastor Ron. We're just excited as we can be to be here. And uh, as, as Pastor Ron shared, we've kind of known at each other for a long time. This is sort of like a first date. How many ever went on a first date? You know, I hope there's going to be a second. I remember I went and picked up a girl. This is really not on the message, but I picked up a girl one time, first date, you know. And she sat on her side of the car, and I was sitting on my side of the car while I was driving. There's a lot of space in between. That's back in the day when you, you had a seat in the middle. You could sit all the way across. You know, it's a bench seat. And as we were driving down the road, I saw a car coming towards us, and it was on my side of the road. And I said out loud, why don't you move over? And she said, because I don't want to. <laughs> and that was our last date. <laughs> so, and, Pam, and Pam says she's glad. So I, I, why don't y'all move over? <laughs> we, we are, we're addicted to Jesus. Now I'll just tell you how we are. And, and we're addicted to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, uh, I've got some books out there. You, you should stop by the book table. My wife says make the commercials first because you'll forget it if you don't. So we've got several books out there. She and I both are, are authors. And I would just encourage you, this message I'm going to preach to you this morning is out there. And I'm not going to be able to give you everything that's in that book. So I just I don't know how many copies there are out there. But I'd encourage you to stop by and get them. Besides that, it helps missions if you do. Uh, one, one costs the same as 20. So just help yourself. What you, what you buy here lets us give them away in Latin America. And uh, if you need it in Spanish, también hay libros en español, si, si prefieres. No hay ningún problema, porque predico en español. De hecho, hace un poco, poco tiempo, yo prediqué más en español que en inglés. There's nobody here that speaks Spanish. Ahí está, mira. Pastor Roberto. ¿Dónde está? Ahí está. Ah, sí, sí. Y tu esposa habla en español perfectamente, ¿verdad? ¿Cómo no? It's only been a few years ago. I, I used to preach more in Spanish than I do in English. And so, uh, you know, it's a bit of a transition. We, we, we've been all over the Latin American continent, and we have preached um, around the globe many different places on four continents. And, and uh, just been a privilege to be involved in the ministry for 45 years. I, I, somebody asked me this morning, how old was I when I got saved? I said, I was born saved. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it seems like. You know, I don't have a great testimony conversion. I mean, I told somebody one time I thought about backsliding so I could get a testimony. <laughs> I didn't go through with it, though. Thank God for that. Um, now, the more you laugh, the better I do. So it just helps if you loosen up a little bit. <laughs> I mean, we're just going to have a talk this morning, right? It's my, it's my hope and, and aim to, to deposit something in this house not because there's any lack of the word, for surely if anyone, if any church has been preached the word, it is you. I was in Cuba one, one year, and 
the superintendent of the Havana district said, I, I want you to come next year and preach in, in our pastor, our minister's conventions. I says, no, thank you. What am I going to come preach about? Suffering for the gospel? What am I going to tell you? How to plant churches? They've, they've, there's 8,500 Assemblies of God churches on the island of Cuba. So I'm supposed to come tell you how to plant churches? Is that, what, that, is that, is that it? You want me to tell you about, about uh, difficulties in, in governments? And what would you have me talk about? And I says, no, thank you. I turned him down. But I got back to my hotel room and a través del Espíritu Santo, through, through my, my friend, through the Holy Spirit, says, you, you, you missed it. Because it's not about what you think. It's about what Holy Spirit wants to say to them. And cross-pollination produces the best fruit. Entonces, aquí estamos, ¿verdad? Therefore, here we are. I believe God's got some things to say to you today that's going to cross-pollinate with some other words that have been spoken here. And it's going to revolutionize somebody's life. I, 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 maybe you, you hard, have a hard time believing it, but you're looking at a, at a wannabe cowboy. I spent the better part of, of uh, 15 years living in the Dakotas, breaking, breaking I broke horses. I was a cowboy, worked on uh, ranches all around the central part of the state. I was a day-working cowboy. There's three rules that a cowboy lives by. Rule one, don't touch my hat. <laughs> Rule two, don't touch my horse. And rule three, don't touch my wife. And in that order, <laughs> they live by that. So much so, I didn't even bring my hat. I was afraid somebody would touch it. And so for a number of years, I'm talking about 15 years, I, was, I had a little bit of renown in the area for breaking horses. I, I wouldn't even have an estimate as to tell you how many horses I broke. Dozens and dozens and scores and scores of them. And I want to share some stuff with you this morning that I think is relevant for our life. And it's just simple stuff. It, it, you know, I'm not a deep theologian. I just see things sometimes in a little different way, maybe because of some of my country upbringing. I, I, uh, I planted a church in 1988 in Pierre, South Dakota. Now, that, that's pronounced Pierre, but it looks like Pierre. In case you didn't know, if you want to sound like a visitor, go up there and ask something about Pierre, and they're going to know right away you're not from there. And in those years of breaking horses, I figured out a few things that God wants to do in my life that's just as simple as breaking those horses. I also figured out that the only person that makes less than a preacher is a cowboy. I mean, we spent thousands of dollars. I, I bought a brand new, I bought a brand new F-250 diesel truck in 
1993, and I spent $22,000 on it. I looked for one this week, and they're still bringing almost that much today. But in, in 1993, that was a lot of money. And so you would buy all these accoutrements. I've got a shop-made saddle that cost me at that time $1,600. I've got spurs that were with inlaid silver that were handmade here in South Bend, Texas. I've got a kangaroo hide plaited whip. All this stuff adds up to hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of dollars. And you go to work and work all day long. At the end of the deal, when when I got out of cowboy and at the end of the deal... It was $65 a day. And you start at daylight and you finish at 10 o'clock on some days. Because it's daylight in South Dakota to 10 o'clock. And so on, on a South Dakota ranch, they don't even measure them in acres. They're so big they measure them in sections. South Dakota only in those days only had 750,000 people living in it. And and it's like 77,000 square miles. I know Texas is bigger than that, but give me a break. Y'all got a few more people than that, too. And so so I I figured out if I was going to, you know, I I pastored a church to supplement my income. You ain't heard that before, have you? So in Luke chapter 19, there's this... There's this verse that's going to jump off the page at a horsebreaker. Let's read it together. Luke 19, 29. And it happened as he drew near Bethphage and Bethany toward the mount called Olives. He sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village across from you and having entered you will find a colt tied up on which no one of men has yet sat. Untie it and bring it. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You say this to him, because the Lord has need of it. And going, those who were sent found as he had said, and as they were untying the colt, look at this, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. I want to tell you, somebody needs to hear this word this morning, that the Lord has need of you. So when I read that verse, I began to remember, see, non-horse-breaking people don't know how to break horses. It just kind of stands to reason. You don't know. But if you want to teach a cult to lead, how many want to be led of the Holy Spirit? Did you ever want to be led? How many ever prayed that prayer? Lord, I want to be led by your Spirit. Here's the problem with that. Most of us don't understand how to be led. We, we pray, Lord, lead me, but we don't know when he's leading. If you want to teach a cult to be led, if, you, if, you, if you're going to halt or break a cult and teach him to lead, You won't believe what you do. But listen, there's only a few subjects that I feel like I'm really qualified to teach on. And I promise you, I have done this over and over and over. Jacob, where are you, buddy? Come up here, bud. If you want to teach a cult to lead, it's simple. All you got to do is tie him up. 
That's all it takes. Now, just, just for the record, I don't use a halter. This old battered, beat-up-looking piece of equipment, that's a hackamore. It's got a, it's got a rawhide noseband, five-eighths, three-quarter, actually, five-eighths on the inside. It's, it's held together with three-eighths nylon rope that you cannot break. Now, a horse has three levels of defense. Flight, or excuse me, two, flight and fight. That's it. That's what he does. If he can't get away, he'll fight. His first option is to flee. I'm getting out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere else. If he can't get away, I've got a mark that starts right here and ends right here. Where the colt ran out of options and he started the second option, which is to fight. He kicked me under my chin and knocked me 10 feet across the alley of a barn and didn't knock me out. Somebody said, well, you got in the wrong business. You should have been a prize fighter. So, so this, is, this is what I'm going to tie a colt up with the first time. He's going to have that rawhide noseband on his nose. He's going to have this 3-8 nylon rope behind his ears. The leather don't do anything. That's just for show. That's just, that's just up there holding everything together in place. What takes the beating is the rope and the rawhide. Then you've got to tie it with something that can't be broke. Here's what happens. If you, if you tie your colt in a halter, a halter has these little pot metal rings on the, on, the, on the corners and he'll break them. I promise you a colt can break those. Here's what happens. If he, if he ever learns to break it, if he learns that if he fights hard enough he can break it, then he never unlearns that if I pitch a fit, I don't have to stay tied. I, I want to ask you this morning. Have y'all ever heard the statement fit to be tied? You always thought it meant you were angry. She cut me off in traffic and I was just fit to be tied. Yeah, they came in the office and they were saying this about me and I was just fit to be tied. I want to bring you a little bit different concept this morning. I want to talk about being fit to be tied. When I get my colt in, he may be coming off of one of those big pastures, one of those big, one of those big two section, three section, four section pastures. And he's scared to death of anything with two legs. And so, where's my rope? So what I'm going to do, I'm going to get him in my round pen. I'm going to run him in there. So I've got this round pen. It's seven feet tall. The walls lean out. And it's 30 feet across. The bottom of it's filled with sand. And I'm going to get him in that round pen. And I'm going to show him through his language who God is. So I've invited Jacob. I was going to bring a horse along with me. But I figured being in Texas, I could probably find a mule. Or at least a donkey. So here's what happened. I'm going to run my colt without touching him. Now, you got him in a corral, so you can herd him in. He's been used to being herded around. And I'm going to get him in that round pen. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get in the middle of the pen, and he's going to be at the edge as far away from me as he can get. And I'm just going to start slapping my leg, and he's going to take off running because he's scared of me. <laughs> this, this is how you talk to him. This is, this is what the mayor, this is what the, the dominant mayor or the dominant gilding in the herd is going to do. 
If they disobey, the mayor's going to make him run out. That's what, that's what she does. That's how she talks to him. She's, she's, she's controlling him, not with, a, not with a rope, but just through her actions. And so I'm speaking his language when I'm slapping my leg and I'm running him around that pen. Now, do you remember, do you remember what I said was in the bottom of that pen? Guess what's happening? As he's running around, it's 115 degrees in the shade in South Dakota. And it ain't long till he starts to sweat. <laughs> and you see his circle getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, remember, that's a 30-foot round crowd, right? He's out at the edge trying to stay away from me. And I'm just, all I'm doing is keeping him moving. So if he even starts to slow down, I just, kick, I just slap him on, keep him moving. This, this is how I'm talking to him. And here's what's happening. He's learning that I'm in control, that I'm calling the shots, that I'm the one making the decisions. Are you tracking? I, I just want to stop right here and make sure everybody understands. I'm not teaching you how to break a colt today. But God is going to teach you something about being fit to be tied. Did you ever feel like you were going in circles? Did you ever feel like your life was not amounting to what you wanted it to amount to? Did you ever feel like you weren't getting anywhere? Did you ever feel like you were just getting tired of getting tired? Somebody said, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Listen, God will stand in the middle of your universe and keep you running until he gets your attention. He'll put you in the round pen and he'll keep you moving because he's got something to show you. Because, watch this, until he can tie you, he can't lead you. What did it say? And you shall find a colt tied. Now, after I let that colt run for a few minutes, all I got to do is step out in front and say, whoa. <laughs> and he's glad to stop. You know how you make a colt glad to stop? Make him tired of going. You know how God makes you glad to stop? Or somebody needs to feel what I'm feeling right now. You know how God will make you glad to stop what you're doing? He'll make you too tired to keep going. And in one motion, that cult has learned. Wait a minute, I'm not in control anymore. I'm not calling the shots. This ain't my, this ain't my game. As I start to that colt, he's going to probably run off again because he ain't quite learned it. So I'm going to just keep him going. But watch this. It won't take near as long. And I'll step out and I'll say, whoa. And this time, almost every time by the second time, if not the second, for sure about the third, when I stop him, his head's going to go down every time. When a colt's ready to talk, that's what he does. And he starts moving his mouth, licking his lips. Every time, not, not, not some of the time. That's his language. That's how he's saying to me, okay, I give up. I'm, done, I'm, done, I'm finished. I'm, I'm tired of fighting. What, what, what do you do? When you're tired of running, when you realize you're not getting anywhere, you're going in circles. That colt, he'll drop his head. And when he does that, I know I've got him now. I've got him. And here's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to make sure I stop him next to a post. And I'm going to get up to him and I'm going to put that hackamore on him. And I'm going to tie an inline bowling knot. And the inline bowling knot won't slip. It won't pull tight. It just holds. Then I'm going to tie him to that post. Because he's got a lesson to learn that he can't learn any other way except to be tied up. When I, when I, when I tie him up, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm getting out of the way. Because remember, this colt's been running out on a big pasture. He's never been restrained before. And when he gets to the end of that rope, he's fixing to have what we call in, in Tennessee a wall-eyed fit. I've known some Christians like that. They, they fight the rope. But this is how you teach a colt to lead. Somebody said, well, that don't look like leading. No, but tying leads to leading. Watch this. The tying don't hurt nearly as much as the fighting. But do you remember these nylon straps that are on the back of this hackamore? You remember that nose band that's, that's over his nose? That's hurting him the whole time he's fighting. Somebody said, well, God would never hurt me. Oh, <laughs> you better think again. A.W. Tozer said, it is doubtful that God can use a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. See, God will put you in a situation where you will fight the tying. But until you can be tied, you cannot be led. The easiest way to teach a calf, a goat, a sheep, a pig, anything, if you want to teach him to lead, tie him up. He'll teach himself to lead. Because what he's, what, here's what's happening. He's fighting that rope the whole time he's tied. And eventually, what's going to happen? He's going to feel that pain cutting in the back of his neck. Now, you understand that's a long way from his heart, Right? Those cherry, those cherry bumps and those marks up under his jaw, that's a long way from his heart. It ain't hurting him beyond the moment. But it's teaching him something he'll never forget. And eventually, here's what's going to happen. He's going to step up. And when he does, he's going to stop hurting. And he's going to go in his little pea brain. Horse's brain's about that big around. He's going to go, Oh, is that all I had to do was take a step and I don't hurt anymore? Listen, when I was breaking horses, I, I, might, I, you know, I, I, might have, I might have seven or eight tied up all around the church house, I mean the, the, the barn, because they're in different stages. I got one learning, to, learning how to be led. I got another one over here that he already knows how to be led, but he's waiting to get saddled. I got another one been saddled. He's over there just getting used to the saddle. I got another one over there. I'm going to get on him and ride him in a little while. But they're at different stages, and they can do different things, but they've all got to pass through the post, the hitching post. They've all got to become fit to be tied. And until you become fit to be tied, you are not fit to be used. God can't use you. You're a loose cannon. You'll hurt somebody. If you don't do this with your colt, here, here's something I can promise you this. 
You can go to any rodeo and you can listen to the daddies telling their kids, don't tie him up by the bridle reins, he'll break the reins. Not if he's been tied up in a hackamore, he won't. Because once he learns this lesson, he won't ever forget it. And after you've taught him that he cannot, it's futile to pull on these reins. You cannot break them. This rawhide will not break. This nylon, he don't have enough strength to break it. You tie him to a post that he can't break, and I promise you in a matter of a short time, he will learn that it is better to stand tied than to stand fighting. Why wouldn't we be that smart? Why wouldn't we learn to stop fighting the rope? Because until God can tie you somewhere, He really can't use you. He can't trust you. So until I can tie my colt up, I can't take him to a rodeo. I can't send him to a parade. I can't put him in a show. He'll hurt somebody. He's a loose cannon. Have you ever seen what a horse can do when he fights? Your average quarter horse weighs 1,200 pounds. Why do you think they call it horsepower? They're strong. They'll hurt somebody. They'll kill somebody. Why don't everybody get to teach? Why don't everybody get to have a song? Why don't everybody get to testify? We're looking for slack in the rope. When I see the slack in the rope, it don't matter. What I do when that's going on, I usually just go to the front porch and sit down and have a glass of tea. Because there's nothing for me to do at that, at, until that slack shows up in the rope. There's nothing for me to do. He has to learn this lesson alone. And I promise you there are going to be days when God's going to leave you tied until you show him slack in the rope. Until you step into what's restraining you. Step up to what's pulling on you. Until you take a step into the direction that God is calling you, my friend, you will stay tied even if it's in the hot sun and the flies are biting. But when I look out and I see my coat was slacking the rope, at that moment, I'm going back to the, to the hitching post and I'm untying him. You can believe this or not, but a coat that don't know how to lead, a coat that's never been halter broke, after they're slacking the rope, all I've got to do is pull on him just a little bit. And you know what he wants to do? He wants to keep slacking the rope. He wants to follow. And you can sing, where he leads me, I will follow. You see, where he leads me, I will follow. You see, God's waiting to see some slack in the rope. Why won't he use me? Well, don't he know that I would go to the mission field? And Doesn't he know that I would preach to masses? I'm willing to do anything. But my question is, are you willing not to? Are you willing to be tied to a small group? Are you willing to be tied in a corner? Or does it have to be on a platform? For those of you watching online, Holy Spirit's talking to you. 
There's people in this room, Holy Spirit's talking to you. After I can lead my colt, there's, there's, there's a dozen other lessons he's got to learn before I'm, going to, before I'm going to get on him and ride him. There's other things he's got to do. But until he learns the value of the rope, until he learns the, the value of being tied and not fighting, he's not going any further. I came to tell somebody this morning, if this is your rope, if this was what it looks like, if your rope looks like a tightened, stretched rubber band, may I tell you, you're as far as you're going. If your rope is stretched tight from your fighting, there's nowhere he can lead you. And you shall find a colt tied, Jesus said. Not loose running the streets. No, no, tied. Because tied means, if he's tied, that means he can be led. Several of you raised your hand early in this message and said, I want to be led of the Holy Spirit. I want to be led. I want to be led by him. So I'm asking you again, how many really want to be led? By Holy Spirit. Do you want to be led by Holy Spirit this morning? Or would you prefer to fight your rope and have your way? You see, he'll leave you in that corral. You are the one that determines your time in the round pen. Check this out. My colt decides how long he's going to be in, going in circles. My colt decides that. I watch him. I watch his ears. I'm watching his head. I'm watching his body signals, his signs. And when he will no longer flee from me, when he will no longer fight me, then I know he's ready. <laughs>